Tell the people your name. Frankie. Frankie, where are we? L.A. We're in L.A. I don't know if you know this, but you're going to be in the next season of our show. No. Are people going to learn from what we talked about? Kind of. <laughs> okay. Can you tell people to help support us by donating? $50. That would be great. They can do it for as little as two bucks a month. Do you know that? Right. That's right. It's such a small amount, but it's going to help. Yeah. So can you tell them to go to patreon.com slash other men need help? Can you remember that? Nope. Don't remember it. I'm not good at remembering. Okay. Why don't you just say, give us money, please. Give us money, please. Thank you. Uh, Frankie, you've been a big help, and this is going to be a good season. I think it is. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash other men need help, or you can click on the link in the show notes. Thank you guys so much, and enjoy this month's bonus episode. About five years ago, I was leaving my apartment for work. Up the block from me, there are these two women standing in front of their house. Looked like a mother and a grandmother. Their front door opens and a boy, probably about 12 years old, steps out and says with a lot of energy, up and ready for action. There's a few seconds of waiting and zero response from his mother and grandmother. And I see this slight deflation in his body as he starts walking to them. They head off, I assume, to take him to school. And he walks behind them, dragging his book bag, which has wheels. I think about that kid and his reaction a lot. Because I imagine maybe that non-response from the mom and grandma would get internalized. And then this kid would think he had justification later on for being a jerk when women in his life didn't give him 100% encouragement. Huge leap, I know. And believe it or not, that's who I created this show for. To reach that kid. One of the steps that got us here was having coffee with a guy named Tim Manley. I don't know if he knows that, but I do. Tim and I met for coffee a year before I started Other Men Need Help. He wanted to collaborate on this idea for an online magazine marketed to teenage boys, in particular sensitive teenage boys, with videos, essays, illustrations. To be clear, this was his idea, but he contacted me because maybe he saw a similar creative point of view. I went one direction, and that's the show you're listening to right now. Tim went his direction along with a guy named Najee Latiad. I decided to catch up on the status of these passion projects for teenage boys. This is Mark Pagan, and you're listening to Other Men Need to Call It Something Other Than Passion Projects for Teenage Boys. That needs to so get rewritten. Yeah, that's not sitting right. That's not... Hi. Hi. Oh, hello. 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 hello.
I asked Tim and Najee to meet me in a diner for our interview. It's a crowded diner. This isn't, yeah, it's a loud, crowded diner. It's gonna be just right. It's gonna be just right. If you listen to our last episode, I interviewed illustrator John Porcelino in a diner. Terrible decision for audio, but great talk and great home fries. Okay, so I don't see a French dip, because that's what I would normally get at a diner. So a part of me is like, you're at a diner, you should have like a fun diner thing, right? Like you're out with friends, I should get something fun. It's something, the healthy something. And it's a burger, you get cottage cheese, you eat your lettuce and tomato, you know? You know, like I shouldn't get a salad. You're like, you're, you have the, your face is like, I have the opposite of salad order. It's like going to uh, Six Flags to walk around. Yeah, I'm doing, I think I'm doing the chicken fingers. And milkshake and fries. And, uh, and a malt. Yeah. Tim and I met in 2015. There was this burgeoning scene of open mics, booked shows, and folks getting up all over New York City and telling true stories. I was going to open mics a few times a week. It was a small enough scene that you meet nearly everyone. My memory is um, we met at Tell It Brooklyn. I don't remember if either of us told a story, but I remember you were wearing like some kind of black cap. Yeah, and then we talked afterwards, and I can't remember how John Porcelino came up, where I was like, do you know his work? And you were like, of course I know his work. Like, I was shocked because he's one of the most influential artists, most important artists, one of the artists I'm most grateful for in my life. And I very rarely meet anyone who is certainly as familiar with his work as I am. And I was so, uh, so excited when you said that you loved King Cat Comics. That like blew me out of the water, yeah. And then when you said that you'd spoken with him, I was like, all right, that's amazing. <laughs> One of the things I liked and related to about Tim was that he was, or is, a teacher. Both of us have been teachers. And so was Najee. That's how they met. It was my second year of teaching, it was your first year. I was teaching high school English, and you were teaching middle school earth science? Earth science. Uh, physical science that year, but science, yeah, middle school science. It was literally my first job. But that's not the way Tim and Najee met met. We were set up on a date with each other. <laughs> and to be, to be clear, Najee is straight. Um, I had had crushes on straight men before who uh, remained straight despite the crushes. <laughs> but people at school thought that you might be gay because you were really nice and you smiled a lot. <laughs> I've heard that, I've heard that. And then one night I was going to a poetry reading that would feature a woman who I'd been seeing but didn't think was seeing anymore, but wasn't sure, and it was in a gray area, and I wanted to go with a friend in order to play it casual, and be like, I'm just going because I love poetry. And I think I texted you like that night, and I think I even texted very explicitly like, I need emotional support at this thing, do you happen to be around? And which is really strange because we really didn't know each other that well. 
Yeah, I remember you were yeah pretty explicit in the text message, or I think it was a text message about that. And that's when I was like, okay, I don't really know what this is about, but this person needs my help, of course. And I, like it's close to me. And everything I knew about you was that you're just a nice, great guy, so why not? And that's cool. Maybe we can just hang out. During this teaching time in our lives, all three of us were figuring out what our creative thing was. For Najee, he flirted with cinematography, editing, photography. While Tim illustrated, he wrote, and as Tim puts it, I had basically been like failing for years. Like I failed to sell, I think by that point, maybe it was four different book ideas. I am not very good at rejections and I want to be able to make something that is actually achievable, um, that is little to no money, and that we can put up or out ourselves. Then around the time I met Tim, he put together a show called Feelings. Basically, then I started doing a lot of true stories on stage, telling a lot of stories with The Moth, or doing my solo show um, at the Fringe Festival, which was in 2015. I'd really enjoyed doing this solo show, and I remember saying to somebody at like a bar after one of the shows um, that I would rather do this type of work forever. Like, I didn't get paid, I lost money making that show, but it was so satisfying to make it. I saw feelings. I wasn't sure how I would feel about a one-person live show the name like that. But it was beautiful and funny and idiosyncratic and just very Tim. Najee saw it too. I think there was a specific line in your show where you said um, something like, I'm probably going to butcher it, but um, you said that you didn't really get boys or males. You didn't really get like a lot of the stuff they would want to do or you're like it was a um kind of like a double mind fuck to then have to grow up into one and then be attracted to them on top of it and i remember being like oh my god yes like i've never felt uh, a kinship with men with guys with locker room talk or any of the things that that we're sold on as what it means to be a man or a male and so the way that you were speaking about that just resonated with me and i was like i gotta work with this guy and that's how the feels came to be. Initially, it was an idea to take some of Tim's illustrations and stories and turn them into super short vignettes, which is super John Porcelino-y. And I think maybe I thought we'd put them on Instagram or something. So I sent you ideas, we talked about it, we met up one day, filmed four things, boom, the end. Then the next month I sent you ideas, we met up one day, we filmed four things, the end. But then they got this camera deal from an equipment rental house in New York. Uh, you get a 10-day rental for the price of two days. And Najee said, what if we shot 30 of these and released them one a day for a month? And I immediately said, that's a terrible idea. For some reason, I said yes. <laughs> yeah. And then I had to write 22 episodes. Now, I lost track of Tim during this time. And in May of 2016, he premiered the first season of The Feels as 30 vignette episodes released every day for one month. The Feels is a web series. 
The show focuses on Charlie, a young guy played by Tim. Charlie is a teacher, he's bi, and he's just got curiosity about where he's at in the world. The episodes are short, simple, sometimes beautifully mundane. Second I started losing my hair, I bought a hat. Not because I wanted to cover it up at that moment, but because I wanted to wear a hat for years before I really needed to cover it up. That way today, here's my sick plan, I'm wearing a hat, no one's gonna say, oh, Charlie must be losing his hair. They're all gonna be like, oh, Charlie? Now he's a hat guy. Oh, that guy's been a hat guy for years. You're not losing your hair. It is tender and weird and silly and charming and quiet and unfussy. I was uh, I was on Long Island the other day and then my mom's coming back to the city with me. And before she left, she asked, she was like, should, should I put on a white sweatshirt so I'm more fancy? <laughs> She's like, Ma, I really don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> My mom every week goes to this uh, arthritis uh, swim exercise class uh, with a bunch of other old ladies, and she refers to it as her swim team, <laughs> as if they're, they're training for the regionals. <laughs> the stories and performances move beyond Charlie's point of view. They became super diverse, open, and intimate. Some disclosure here. I even showed up in a few episodes during season two as a potential love interest for Charlie. As I can attest from my time on the set, Tim and Najee really leave space for folks to be and share who they are. So sometimes maybe say before someone was telling a really vulnerable story, um, every single person on set, including the crew, uh, would take a deep inhale and a deep exhale, maybe several times. Um, and I think once or twice I would talk to the crew alone and, and really ask everyone to just hold a certain space. I think, I think one thing that really helped us elevate our game and also brought a different sensitivity to our third season is uh, the addition of our producer, Camden Elizabeth. I don't know to what degree this stuff matters, but I think it all matters that there's like there's like a minority person on set, there's a, a queer person on set, there's a woman on set, and we're all sort of at the head of that production. And so that fell in line with the stuff that Tim was talking about in terms of being protective of people being vulnerable. As you might be able to tell, I'm having a hard time putting into words why the feels feels so right to me, and why it motivated me to make other men need help. And then I'm sitting there with Tim and Najee, and it becomes clear to me. So I think the three of us, probably within the context of our lives, has, have been labeled sensitive. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Yes, I would say so. But all three of us have had our questions about not only our own masculinity, but our connection with other men in this world. Is that correct as well to say? Yes, for me, absolutely. Yes, definitely. Softies, beta men, emo, you name it. There's some sensitive guy stuff made about the male experience that I hate. And then there are the Porcelinos and the Tims and Najes that just land somewhere in my heart. I like being around the way they see the world. But I think the three of us have struggled with our alphaness. 
I don't know. It's not something I stand here saying, yeah, whatever, man, you know, just put it out there. I've had questions about what we're doing with the shows we make. So with the work that we're doing, the feels and other men need help are two different things. Uh, I do think thematically there are some very similar things going on. I think that we, there's a lot of things that we're similarly interested in, and I'll use the word investigating with the, with the shows that we're doing. And my question for you guys is right now with how things are going, um, not with the show, but just walking out the door, everything that's happened in the world, why are we doing this? Like, what is, what is your response to the world through your work? And like, why are we, why are we putting this stuff out there? When we, when we first started making the feels, I did not necessarily think that anyone would identify with the stories we were telling or with, um, with my personal reality as we were putting it forward. And then we started getting um, a lot of messages, a lot of emails from people thanking us for telling these stories. I couldn't have guessed when we started the show that other people would understand this experience that, uh, that I'd had. And now, I don't really know how to put this into words, but um, I, have a, I have a son, or you know, presumably a, a, a son. I, I, I have a son, uh, unless he tells me otherwise later on. Um, and man, to imagine him growing up um, without this burden of uh, so much BS related to masculinity and manhood and, and gender uh, and sexuality would be amazing. I can't even almost imagine it. But to, uh, if he got to grow up in a world where uh, he didn't have to work so hard to process all that, I'd be very grateful. Last night, I met, a, I met an infant CPR class, so I'm learning how to give CPR to my baby, if hopefully I never have to. My phone buzzes, and I keep my phone on all the time now because I have a baby, and, uh, and my phone buzzes, and I pick it up, and it's a comment on one of our YouTube videos that says, I hate this man. <laughs> Tim sends that to me, and I'm like, does he hate this man, or he hates this man? <laughs> he goes like, which, which oh is the... God, right? Then he clarified in a comment on, a, on like a later episode, the syntax of what he said didn't quite make sense, but he was like, the only... Uh, noteworthy noteworthy the show. Aspect, yeah, the only noteworthy aspect of this show is my ability to hate this man. I found it extremely entertaining. Right. If a critical comment is wonderful, even um, I hate this man, that stays up. That's a fantastic comment. I love it. Um, a, a, a hateful comment, not allowed. It doesn't make it a safe space to watch the show. So, um, and obviously it's, it's no surprise that the white male head of the show has somehow evaded a lot of hate over several years. I don't think I'm usually the most targeted group and maybe just being by short circuits people, they don't know how to make fun of that. <laughs> All of this made me remember this online teenage boy magazine idea that Tim had asked me to join him in making. Up until this interview, I don't think I thought about it at all. But there at the diner, Najee asked me something that brought it all back. 
I was wondering about the how much do you protect yourself and like how much is there something that you reveal that later um, you know some coworker or colleague or friend is like now might look at you different or might feel right like there's a lot of self revealing of oneself that happens like is there anything just about telling so much of yourself or being so open that uh, is there like to what degree do you need to protect yourself in that what's that that whole expression of like you're the person be the person you needed when you were younger I think that's how I view the podcast is not just only contemporaries but also like the podcast was started because it was speaking to a like a 12 year old that I'd seen on the street um I was like, I hope somebody like him hears this. And to do that, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but to do that, I feel like you gotta, you gotta put yourself out there. I like Tim and Najee a lot. I like spending time with them. And I really like spending time with their work. That's the other thing I do want to let you guys know on, on Mike, is that your work is inspiring to me. It's inspiring to me as a person, but it's inspiring to me for what I'm working on. I come to it. It's very much something I look at as a contemporary, pure contemporary, and be like, that's something to aspire to. And, and that was a similar conversation with John Porcelino. It motivate me to continue making work. And I want to know who you would talk to. Like, who would be your diner? I have to ask you, blank. Who would that be? I would talk with Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. Hannah Gadsby. Yes. A thousand percent. It's a good choice. Let's actually just record Hannah Gadsby and Sufjan Stevens talking and just remove ourselves. <laughs> Najee told us some great stories about his first movie job as a PA. It was a Schwarzenegger movie called The Sixth Day. If you've seen it, you've seen it. I don't need to go into many other details other than saying it exists. While he talked about a movie set, I finished off everyone's fries. It was a good talk. Were you guys happy with your diner options? Were you happy with your choices? I was happy that I got to drink most of Tim's Diet Coke. I think we, I think we made the right choices. I think we did, yeah. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave this. I'm never out this late. French fried potatoes and a ketchup. French fried potatoes and a ketchup. This episode was hosted and produced by Mark Pagan. Our lead producer for the show is Caitlin May Burke. The show is also produced by Ben Goldberg and Rebecca Seidel. Our illustration for this episode was done by the delightful Carmela Caldart. Special thanks to Tim Manley and Najee Latiad. And the folks at Washington Square Diner. Please consider making a monthly donation to our Patreon. You'll help us make the show. You will get bonus material. You'll get emails from me. I will help you with your love life. I will regret saying that probably. Go to patreon.com slash other men need help, or you can find the link in the show notes. Until next time. Adios. Ciao, ciao. Bye. 
so when I was on set, there was, uh, there was this guy, French guy, and he'd come up to me and say, do you know that every word that ends in M-E-N-T in English also exists in French? And it was like, movement, mouvement, or something, <laughs> government, gouvernement. <laughs> he would do all these, he'd go through all these words. <laughs> A little while later, he comes back around, you know all the words in English that end with L-Y also exist in French, possibly. Possible, possible. I don't know. He was like giving all the words, and I was just like, ah, oh, that went away. And then I asked one of the guys on set. I was like, ah, oh, man, who's this annoying French guy? He's just telling you about all the words that are in French and English. And he's like, oh no, that guy, no, he's the he's a legendary cinematographer. He's amazing. And I was like, what? That guy? You know, it was the first it was the first realization that a cinematographer actually doesn't touch the camera and kind of maybe doesn't do much on set. Like this guy was nowhere near anything being filmed at all <laughs> ever.